0: What happened? Firestar demanded, halting in front of his daughter. What did you find out? Did you find Leafpool? Sandstorm added. Other cats gathered around, echoing Sandstorm's question. Some of them mentioned Crowfeather. Leafpool's secret wasn't a secret any longer. Cinderpelt must have been forced to tell her clanmates everything she knew. It was Brambleclaw who explained. Her scent trail led into WindClan territory, so we went to visit their camp. Cinderpelt limped up just then, in time to hear Brambleclaw's words. Did you speak to her? Brambleclaw shook his head. She wasn't there. She and Crowfeather have already left the territory. We followed their trail with a couple of the WindClan cats, but we lost it in the hills. They're gone. No! Cinderpelt's voice was a rough whisper. Terrible fear dulled her eyes. Firestar and Sandstorm moved closer together until their pelts brushed. We've lost her. Sandstorm mewed softly. The whole clan has lost her, Firestar meowed. Squirrelflight wanted to wail out loud. Leafpool had lost so much, too. She must have loved Crowfeather very much to give up everything for him. Would I do that for Ashfur? Squirrelflight wondered. Somehow, she didn't think she would. For Brambleclaw? She blinked, realizing that was a question she couldn't answer. My name is Spencer Grant, and you're listening to uh, Four Trees, a Warrior Cats retrospective something podcast. Uh, This week, I am joined by nobody, actually, um, because this week I had to read Twilight, which is a book that, in my opinion, is not very good, and apparently this is an opinion that's shared by quite a lot of people. So in order to maintain the Uh, community-ish nature of Four Trees, or at least the conversational aspect of Four Trees, I've decided to invent time travel real quick and just talk to myself from like 90 minutes in the future. Um, I feel like that might be a pretty good method uh, of eschewing some of the other issues that uh, this book has, and at least talking through my thoughts, and maybe my thoughts after I've had this conversation's thoughts. Uh, on the book Twilight um, so this will probably get a little bit meta and for that I apologize uh, but fact of the matter is I just there is nobody else who wants to talk about this book <laughs> and if I want to get to power of three which I definitely do I'm gonna have to power through this one at the very least you know so um, hey Spencer how how are you doing and uh, how has your day been so far uh, do you want me to be like honest or tactful? I think that honesty would work pretty well. To be right, honest, I, I would. Uh, I would like you to be. Ta- I would like you to speak your mind. Let's just okay, say that. Okay. All right. All right. Um, my day has been a bit of a gonger. You know. Oh really? Uh, I, I've had like. Okay, so earlier this morning you were there for this. Yeah. Earlier this morning we had a guy come into the house and oh, like because yeah, yeah, he was doing the a, um, a look around, a you call. know, because he wants to um, rent the new room. Yeah. Uh, and. I think I heard him say something about having a dog, and that's like it's, kind yeah, of concerning definitely... to me because you know I have cynophobia. Yeah, me too. And actually. I don't want to like be the guy who's like, yeah, sorry, landlord. You know, this dude can't live there because I have a psychological fear of his pet. No, totally. But, like, also at the same time, I extremely don't want to live with a dog, and it's, so like yeah, kind of trying to wrestle like, should I like... talk to the landlord about this and you know turn down a, a perfectly cromulent. Uh, person, you know, is not a, a word, potential tenant, or should I, uh, you know, actually speak up about the dog? Because that's that's actually worrying me quite a bit. No, I totally You know, and is. then also there's the visa stuff, which is just a mess. Oh, God, it's uh, a mess. We have to go to Wales later today. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I'm i looking forward to it in one way, and I'm not looking forward to it in another way, because I haven't really left the house since, like, October, um, at least not to do groceries. And granted, this is considered essential travel, and I, I don't really intend to have any fun while I'm over <laughs> there in Wales, but like, I'm not... I don't know. It's just going to be a bit messy, you know? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I, here's my, I guess, big question. Um, for starters, uh, thank you for sharing all of that incredibly personal information on oh, yeah, this no worries. Hearted Warrior Cats podcast. You know, oh, I feel really great about that. You're opening up to me. Gotta keep um, you yeah. and And for second starters... Uh, could you talk a little bit more about your cyanophobia, because uh, I feel like that's something that a lot right. of people don't really know that much about, and uh, deserves kind of a, a center stage, uh, I feel like at least just, in, in this corner of the world. I mean, for starters, I feel like you're just saying this because you also have cyanophobia and you want to feel special, but I will talk yes, about this, because uh, it's it's something that uh, I don't really get to talk about that much, certainly not anymore, Like uh, now that we're not allowed outside, and uh, we have to stay inside for the good of, you know, the ethical consideration of other people. It's mm-hmm. something that I don't, I don't uh, have to talk about or confront quite as much, but I, I do feel that it's pretty important, especially like going to be uh, for the first weeks when everybody gets out, and you know, that's going to be the world for a little while. Um, okay. So, cynophobia, for those of you who do not know, is uh, a, a psychological fear of dogs. Um, and I know that's like, it, yeah. I don't know, it, 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 it's a really hard. First of all, who doesn't like dogs? I don't. I, I actually really dislike dogs. I think that um, on a on a like aesthetic level, they're very unpleasant for me to look at. I Definitely, think they are yeah. uh, extremely ugly. And like yeah. on an ethical level, I take a lot of problems with um, a lot of different breeds of dogs that are like you know br- they're bred to be big or good at hunting. And it's like, well, okay, cool. That's like. Not okay though, because like these things uh, suffer really serious health problems. Yeah, I big dogs especially creature, have uh, you know even ones that I don't like. But um, I mean, like, with the with the that's me rationalizing it, right? Uh, it's easy to rationalize something that you don't like because you already start with a conclusion I don't like this, um, and you can you know find things to support your uh, argument and uh, ignore things that don't support your argument by just saying, well, I have a phobia, so you know that doesn't matter. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of dogs, and that's a, a really weird uh, facet for a person like me to have, because, you know, I, I feel like that's a thing in amongst uh, pet ownership, um, right? They always say that, like, oh, people who own cats are, you know, they're, they're never like, oh, I hate dogs. But, you know, people who own dogs are like, oh, I hate cats. Um, and I really hate to be, like, the exception to that rule, because, like, I can't really be around dogs, it's not that I hate them, they just make me super uncomfortable, Yeah, Um, and uh, it's just, it's weird, I don't know, like, this is, it's really frustrating, too, because, like, a lot of people don't believe it, like, a lot of people are like, what, how could that possibly be true, like, you know, I'm sure that there's an exception for my dog, because my dog, obviously, is the cutest, most well-behaved thing in the world, and the answer to that is no, like, everybody, upon hearing that like i have a phobia of of dogs like half of the people that i know will like take out a picture of their puppies and they'll be like well not this dog right and it's like yeah absolutely that dog do you know how a phobia works like nobody's going around showing pictures of spiders to people with arachnophobia maybe people are doing that now but they're just doing that because they want to be like cool and counterculture and spiders are kind of coming back in but like it's I don't know, ridiculous. somebody's got like a, what's it called? Paradolophobia or telosophobia. Nobody's gonna like pull out a picture of the deep ocean or a hand with a bunch of holes in it, because that's disrespectful. That's like incredibly disrespectful. You're basically taking advantage of a, a psychological mechanism somebody else has in their brain and and using it to, you know, gain some clout in this social conversation. It's well the worst. you can't be afraid of all dogs because my dog is very cute. No, I'm afraid of all dogs. That's how it works. Like, there are some dogs that I feel less uncomfortable around, for sure. Like, if, if I'm around a German Shepherd or a Husky, you know, but, like, that's fine, because those dogs... Well, I don't know well, so Yeah, I they're, like, no kind of dangerous, why, aren't it, they? Uh, those two are fine, because those are actually pretty dangerous dogs yeah. to be comfortable around. But, like, with a, a Chihuahua, that's, like, extremely uncomfortable to me. If somebody's like, oh, check out this pug, I'm like, I don't want to check out that pug. That thing is, like going to die an early death because of uh, its breeding, because people think that it's cute, that it has a bunch of wrinkles. And for starters, it's not cute. Ugly things aren't cute. I don't understand that either, but whatever. I'm getting beyond my point. My point is, I have a fear of dogs. Nobody respects this. And uh, I don't know how I'm going to reconcile that if uh, it turns out that I'm living with somebody who has a dog. Because that means that I'm going to have to, like, put up with that every day. I'm going to feel like I'm trapped in my own home, which isn't really a comfortable environment for me. Definitely not. You know what? I'm going to freaking text my landlord right now. Actually, you text your landlord right Right. now. Mm Because, um...
1: No, well, I guess I didn't hold do it
0: back then while I was you, so I'm going to have to well, do it right now. Wait, Give me, like 2 seconds okay. to do some texting. i Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll, get, I'll get back to you. Sorry, wait. So how you you bring this up now. I'm I'm kind of curious. Mm. What do you mean I didn't do it back when Sorry, you didn't do it back when you were me? Cuz like oh, I'm still okay. not entirely certain how the mechanisms of this time travel work. Okay. Is it like All a right. back to the future kind of thing? It, it's it not like a back a... to the future kind of thing. Basically, uh, the way that it works is I am you from the future. So I remember from my past that you did not text your landlord, which means that if you were to text your landlord now, I wouldn't exist. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Cuz otherwise I would No, I, get, I that. all right, I get it. Yeah. It's like a it's, uh, Bill and Ted rules. It's exactly Bill and Ted rules. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, we, um we spent like 8 minutes nattering about nothing. Do you want to start talking about the the book now? This do we have Twilight? To? Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, yeah, probably. All right. So a congregation of StarClan cats informs Cinderpelt that she is imminently going to die. And then Cinderpelt's like, well, that's not fair. I didn't get a turn on the Xbox. I didn't get to be a warrior this time around. And StarClan is like, all right, we'll see about that, huh? Later that morning, uh, Squirrelflight voices her concerns to Leafpool about Brambleclaw not cutting ties with Hawkfrost after Hawkfrost's presence at the WindClan Capitol Hill riots. And can I say, this part pissed me off. Yo, extremely reasonable. It's the worst. And then Leafpool is like, she's, oh uh, she's like, well, whatever. You know, she validates Squirrelflight's concerns. She's like, lots of people were at those riots, so it was fine. So, um then Brambleclaw wants to be deputy and Ashford wants to be Squirrel Flight's new boyfriend, and Leafpool keeps having these like comically close calls where other clan members risk the chance of discovering her feelings for Crowfeather. Um, and also, a big part of this the early book is that Firestar just won't leave Wind Clan alone. He really oh wants God, to check yeah. in on them all the time. He like, refuses to give them the space that they need. It's really irritating. Yeah. But anyways, uh, while Leafpool is out looking for Crowfeather, Sorreltail drops by, and she's like, <laughs> hey, it's me, Sorreltail. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm kind of expecting Brackenford's children. And Leafpool, who is, like, extremely jealous by this, is like, yeah. she's like, I'm going to I'll, I'll show stupid tail. I'm going to have kids that are, like, way cooler than hers. <laughs> um, and then Firestar goes to, like, Wind Clan yeah. to say hello. And one star says hello back by saying that, uh, actually, Firestar, I don't agree with Tallstar's Dying Wish anymore. Can you go away, please? So, like, later at the gathering, all of the cats are, like, exploring the island a little bit, and it's really Mm -hmm. exciting, and they're, like, bemoaning the fact that we have to go back to doing race wars, which, like, like, this is a plot point that keeps getting brought up in this book, and nobody does anything about it. Like, half the time... In the last couple of books half the time like every time they saw cats were like enjoying each other's company somebody was like well we're gonna have to go back to doing race wars eventually you know this is nice while it lasted and now like that now that we're like back to doing race wars Everybody is, like, looking around, like, man, why can't we get along like we were doing at The Journey? And, like, I know that this is just never going to be addressed. This is just, like, I don't know why they're writing this in here. Like, why they're just, like, constantly bringing up, oh, yeah, we were friends back in The Journey. I wonder why we can't be that anyway, way anymore. And, like, just never actually... I don't yeah, know. It's never gonna doing be relevant again about it, or like saying anything about it, or whatever. It's the worst It's just so weird just, thing. But yeah, whatever. Absolutely. So they they talk about some more exciting stuff like, you know, borders. Ooh, Riverclan wants this piece of territory. Fun. Oh, and the Badgers. and um, And then the uh, when when they go back, Leaf Pool like falls asleep and she meets Feathertail again. Feathertail, like at this point, is basically determined to become spotted Leaf too. Yeah, right. She wants to be, yeah um so she goes to to river clan and she thinks about how pretty mothwing is and mothwing is like talking about the nuances of cat atheism <laughs> it's really funny uh, <laughs> like I, I believe that there's yeah. something i just don't think that it's cat gods which you know that might be the first reasonable thing that anybody said in this series so far um but yeah so there's a uh, mothwing okay so back in thunder clan Ashford gets like an apprentice and Squirrel Flight becomes like genuinely fearful of Brambleclaw because of the absolutely rancid vibes that he has been giving off for like the entire last book and a half. Like this dude is is just straight up starting to like bully her. It's, it's the worst. The it's... absolutely worst. I thing. can't even read it. Um, like the fact that they're considered to be like a love interest is, is bizarre to me. It's it's I, I don't understand how nobody saw this sooner. Um at, at least like I mean, not well... before the, the big moon Catherine expose. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so there's there's Brambleclaw, he's giving off rancid vibes. Leafpool finally gets in contact with Crowfeather, who's like, Uh. yo, we should totally meet up. And then all of the medicine cats share, like, a really bad omen and decide to, like, leave instead of talking about it. Except leave. Um, and she then back in ThunderClan, there's, like, a kitty pet called Daisy, and she arrives, like, a whole bunch of kittens. Yeah. And half of ThunderClan, for some reason, well, and I okay. guess by, like, not, half of ThunderClan, half, I mean, it's, like... It's, it's just Spider-Leg. Yeah, it's just Spider-Leg, really. Yeah. But, like, you know, also Brambleclaw is amongst the Dissenters, because apparently he's <laughs> yeah. forgotten that he's supposed to be, like, a good guy and one of the protagonists or something yeah. like that. But, yeah. Um, and then suddenly a, a RiverClan warrior comes back by it and is like, Leafpool, Mothwing needs you to come hang out and help with a problem. Leafpool, Mothwing needs you to come by for a sleepover. It's going to be really fun. We'll have <laughs> oh, pillow fights and talk about boys. And what? by boys, I guess I mean girls. Whatever. No, she's I, I by guess I'm sure. It's boys because yeah. she's into crow feather. It's really, whatever. I don't understand reason. that plot point either, to be it's honest. It's bizarre, like, yeah. I don't know. Throughout this entire book, whenever I was reading the Mothwing parts, and I'm sure you agree because yeah. I'm the same person. They had way um, better chemistry. Like, it just felt like yeah, Come it's cool. And Mothwing are just so much more compatible. Like, there's a genuinely interesting conflict Definitely. of uh, ideology between the two of them that I actually enjoy reading about. Yeah. Because I'm reading um, from the perspective of somebody who disagrees completely with uh, Mothwing. But, well, like, as a, a yeah. personal human, I agree completely with Mothwing. But, yeah, whatever. Um,. So Mothwing comes by, or Leafpool comes by, and she finds that RiverClan has just been, like, completely decimated by sickness. Uh, So she and Mothwing kill a few cats, and they learn the truth behind Feathertail's prophecy that she came by earlier when she was pretending to be Spottedleaf. Uh, And then Leafpool realizes that, like, she forgot to meet up with Crowfeather, and it's like, oh no, you spent the entire day hanging out with your cool girl boss friend. That's (laughs) awful, how dare you. Um, So the... So, the Thunder Clan cats uh, help drive some mean kitty pets out of Shadow Clan's territory. And Leafpool comes back to camp, and she's like, Bright. She finds out that, like, Brightheart over the last few days is being treated like a medicine cat apprentice. Leafpool uh, yeah, um, is, is like, well, I guess this, this, means is like, this means that my clan doesn't want me anymore. It's the stupidest... Uh, this is a, one of the le- my least favorite plot points from this book. And I, well. I guess I'm going to be saying this about like basically every plot point in this book. <laughs> but like, the fact that uh, Leafpool was gone for like two days, and apparently that was enough for everybody to treat Brightheart yeah. like she was the new medicine cat, is... I mean, for starters, for starters it's ridiculous. Um, and for yeah. second starters... It's also hilarious. Like, I can I can definitely see oh, how Brightheart would books, become isn't it? Yeah. the surrogate medicine cat in uh, that particular instance. And I actually kind of like the plot point where Brightheart is, like, trying to find a new role in the clan. Because the arrival of Daisy and the subsequent, um, I would say, behavior Occupation, of Cloudtail kind of does leave her in alerts. Like, I really like how Cloudtail is um, all concerned about doting on Daisy and Brightheart is, like, concerned because she assumes that like, this is like some know. kind of way of saying that Cloudtail doesn't care for her anymore. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure in my heart of hearts that Cloudtail is just looking after Daisy because he she reminds him of his mother Yeah. and like you know he wants to make sure that thing. the kitty pets have a good role in the clan yeah. because you know that means a lot to him. Yeah. Um and you know he's everything is fine with Brightheart but I, I kind of do love the idea of Brightheart, you know, like having this kind of crisis of faith where she's yeah, like oh, maybe I should it, it I don't know. Try really to become a medicine to, cat now. I mean, you it. know, my my daughter is growing up. She's she almost doesn't need me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband seems like he's interested in another cat. And you know maybe this is the new life for me. Um, but it seems yeah. I also, so. I think Leafpool's reaction to this is completely inappropriate and <laughs> oh, absolutely ridiculous because yeah. like she should know she's a a matureish human being. She's er, a cat cat human being. <laughs> uh, who you know even though she's in love with the worst guy, yeah. uh, she should understand that you know. A, a, a cat like Brightheart is not a replacement for a, an actual medicine cat, but whatever. I guess I'm projecting on top of these cats. Uh, Maybe you might. Let's talk about the gathering, because the gathering was a really fun. Oh, part do of we have talk. to talk about the gathering? Okay, so the gatherings in this book are like awful. So over like the last couple of chapters, by, a by a this point, Thunderclan has helped out Shadowclan, and they've helped out Windclan. They have not helped and, out Windclan. No, they haven't helped out Windclan because yeah. Windclan is hostile to them. Yeah. But they've helped out Shadow Clan and River Clan. So yes. both Shadow Clan and River Clan are like at the gathering and they're like, hey, we'd like to give a quick thank you to Thunder Clan for like helping us out with these things that we would have genuinely had problems with if Thunder Clan hadn't shown up. And then one star is like, what's wrong with you guys? How could Thunder you do Clan this? Sucks. They keep butting their nose into everybody's business and you are bad leaders for paying attention to them. It's so stupid. And it's so stupid. He's like a, I I guess he's a jerk now is that that's like his, his plot point, which is just like really frustrating to hear about, especially like after, um, my friend Cora was on the podcast a little while ago. She was here for the, uh, um, she mentioned that one star or like back when one whisker was like a warrior firestar literally died for him. Like at one point while they were like evacuating Shadow Clan, or like he was throwing his life down on the line for him, and now that like One Star is a leader, and like he even has the pressure from Tall Star to be like, hey, we should be friends with other clans, it, uh, they just decide so not to, which is ridiculous. But whatever. I, we should talk about yeah, this later. Yeah, yeah, we, we should. Let's bring up. Yeah. Okay. Let's, sorry. We gotta get. To, go back to the yeah, plot synopsis whatever. so we can play to the music. Um. So yeah. Leafpool uh, has a falling out with both Squirrel Flight and Cinderpelt, which is how no, you know that your romance is a good one when literally everybody in your life disagrees with you about this. Um, so uh, then she meets Spottedleaf at the Moonpool, and Spottedleaf is like, listen to your heart, listen to your pheromones, Leafpool, they'll tell you what's up. And then mentions, in case Leafpool forgot, that she had the hots for Firestar. Because I don't know if any of you guys knew about this. (laughs) I don't think that it's ever brought up in the books. But actually, spotted Leaf and Firestar had, like, a thing going on. Yeah, it was Um, really crazy subtle. So, so, uh, yeah, Leafpool decides to run off with Crowfeather. uh, And everybody finds out, basically immediately... And Squirrelflight so is thinking to herself, would I rather hypothetically elope with Ashfur, a cat who is nice to me and who I actually enjoy the presence of, she or would say, I elope with Brambleclaw, a cat that I have run away with before? And then she yeah. decides Brambleclaw for some freaking reason, even though he spent this entire book bullying her and making her actually afraid of him and making her feel bad about him and whatever. It's so um, dumb. And then a bunch of Badger's Attack and Sorreltail decides to give birth in a desperate bid for plot relevance. So uh, Leafpool and Crowfeather return, as well as Midnight. You guys remember Midnight? She's the ghost. Um, so I uh, forget? Midnight brings WindClan to help out because one star is nice again, I guess. Uh, and then together they drive the badgers out, but they end up losing Cinderpelt and some other cat whose name that I have already forgotten because they were mentioned like twice in this book. And also, in like the very last words of the book, because I, they were saving this for last because they knew everybody would care, Uh, Stormfur and Brook also show up again. And in case you've forgotten who Stormfur Stormfur and Brook are, which I don't know how you could, because they're so important, Uh, they're uh, Graystripe's kit, uh, and also the uh, cat from the tribe of the rushing water that, you know, they love, so yeah. Okay, so is it cool if I talk about uh, yeah, sure. uh, Ashfur and it's like a, the yeah, Clod you know and squirrel Flight and leaf Pool and Crowfeather situation? Because I feel like that's yes. kind of where my attention has drifted really uh, over the course of reading this book and stuff. But and you don't you don't care about Stormfur and Brook? Okay, look, Spencer, <laughs> nobody cares about Stormfur and Brook, and the more that you pretend that we do, I think the longer important. this discussion is going to get dragged I think out past important. its expiration date. Funny. So can we just can we just like remove any and all aspersions as to whether or not people care about Stormfur and Brooke and and continue this uh, discussion like adult men talking about a children's cat alright if that's what you want thank you So obviously, you know, there was the romance thing between uh, Brambleclaw, Squirrelflight, and Ashfeather, which is completely unfair basically on every side. Yeah, how Um, is Ashfeather supposed to compete with the main character? For starters, I I think that Ashfeather, I know that he becomes a bad guy later because, you know, Warrior Cats fans don't care about spoilers. Oh my god, they really don't. Um, I was on Twitter the other day, right? You're on Twitter every day. Shut up. So I was on Twitter the other day and I got like a ping from somebody who was talking about the sea shanty and they were like, hey, um, by the way, not trying to put anybody on blast, I just think this is funny. So th- they were like, hey, uh, you should write a work shanty about this one thing that Wind Clan used to do. And I was like, wait, Wind Clan used to do that? Sorry, I'm still rereading. I haven't gotten to that part yet. But, you know, that does sound pretty cool. I was like, trying to like, be nice about it. I was like, that does sound pretty cool. You know, uh, there is a song about Wind Clan that I'm working on, but it's kind of, you know, more about running and stuff, and uh, I'll definitely keep that in mind whenever I get to that part. And then they were like, yeah, thanks for responding. And they went to, like, explain every single, like, plot relevant nuance to that particular, like, aspect of the Wind Clan thing. Um, even though. <laughs> Said so I hadn't gotten to that part yet. And I, it's just like, wow. I, I get like the books have been out for a really long time, but I've, it's just, it's funny. Are you going to shut up so I can talk about Ashford now? Yes, I apologize for interrupting your tangent. Ashford was a good guy in this book. Like he was not bad. Squirrelflight was like legitimately convinced, uh, thinking about him as a romantic partner. They were basically cat dating and Brambleclaw, conversely was like literally bullying squirrel flight and making her feel unsafe in her own home and that just that was really uncomfortable to read yeah absolutely you know? he infantilizes her he yells at her he makes her feel genuinely afraid and he spends a lot of time swinging around his warrior clout to make her feel more uncomfortable. It's not an acceptable... I I, I, I hate reading about it because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about how kids are reading this and how some of them might want to model their behavior after this kind of thing. I don't want little uh, people running around, you know, thinking that this is an acceptable way for a romance to begin or develop. And I just, I don't like the fact that, uh brambleclaw is still considered to be a good guy despite the fact that he is clearly behaving super poorly uh, and like while this is happening ashfur is actually standing up for squirrel flight he is checking in with her to make sure that she's doing okay he is getting in between brambleclaw and his you know object of malice and i think that that's a super positive way for somebody to uh behave and I I find it annoying that midway through the book decides that actually this is a poor thing because it implies that Ashford thinks that Squirrelflight can't uh, fight her own battles. I think that Squirrelflight is completely capable of fighting her own battles and I think that if she does not want Ashford to butt in then she has to communicate that with Ashfur, which she doesn't do, and so just, like, midway through the book, when uh, Squirrelflight, when when Leafpool and Crowfeather run away together, uh, Squirrelflight gets this, like, paragraph where she's like, man, I wonder if I would ever run away with someone like Ashfur, and then she's like, nah, but I'd run away with Brambleclaw again, that was pretty good, and it's like, what are you talking about? This is like... Uh, Absolutely, because running running away with somebody is a grand gesture, and I don't think that a grand gesture should be by any means a metric by which you measure the worth or value of a relationship. Um, I think that it sets a really poor standard because you know a grand gesture is a one-time thing, right? You can have many grand big big gestures, but like it's it's not indicative by any means of how well a relationship is going to substantiate or, you know, continue and progress because a relationship isn't would I run away with this person? A relationship is would I spend the rest of my life with this person, which is a really important distinction. Yeah, it's it's more down to like, you know, do I trust this person as a partner? And I'm not going to say that like jumping in with both feet doesn't work for some people because, you know, some people do have successful relationship stories where they're like, yeah, I moved to Myanmar with my wife who I had known for about six seconds and then you know, we lived happily ever after. We had like 18 children. Most of them were adopted. And now we both work as marine biologists. Like, that's, that's the thing that probably has happened to some extent. But I am going to say that it creates an unrealistic expectation for your partner if that becomes the standard by which you judge uh, whether or not a relationship is worth having. Like, I'll say this. Uh, there are people in my life that I would not move to you know run away with that that doesn't seem like a viable option for uh me for a lot of those peoples and a relationship isn't about whether or not i would run away with people it's more about like do i trust them to have our best interests in mind do i you know trust them to uh you know be a, a good human person who is a uh, good for me uh and, you know, if you're creating an unrealistic expectation at the start by asking the question or phrasing the value of a relationship in the way of, you know, will I run away with this person, it's uh, kind of, it can stagnate and, and a lot of times it can hinder a, a burgeoning relationship, which I think is really unfair for just about every party involved. And I feel kind of bad for Ashford because, you know, he's got to be compared to that in the mind of Squirrelflight. Also, can we like talk about that thing that Sandstorm says? Where Sandstorm oh is God. like, "Hey, what's up? It's me, your mother." Yes. Um, Squirrelflight, how have you considered maybe making sure that the boys that are pining after you it's aren't so behaving so stupid. irresponsibly and, and rudely so towards dumb. each other? Cuz like, oh what was God. up with that? Yeah, right, like. Right. Why is it it's her so responsibility? Stupid. To make sure that other people behave appropriately. Sandstorm, telling people not to be involved in a love triangle. That's like one uh, thing. Ma'am, you're hypocrisy. But, well, okay. I, I, I do think that um, oh? Sandstorm in all fairness, has never been involved in a love triangle, unless you kind of count that thing with spotted leaf, Well, right? no, there was there was dust pelt and uh, the, that whole like situation, right, when they were apprentices. I, I wouldn't consider that to be a love triangle, right? Because that would imply, I think love triangle as a term implies mutual pining, um, and Fireheart, if you'll recall, did not really care very much about Sandstorm until it was abundantly clear that she was the only option left, right? Like Cinder, uh, like like everybody else in this uh, book series, when they describe love, um, except for Bluestar, like they've got like a pretty good handle about what it is and how they feel. But with Fireheart, we never really saw that kind of thing. It was just kind of like... Dustpelt liked Sandstorm. Sandstorm liked Fireheart. That wasn't like a love triangle. It was a love series of connected lines. And then eventually, uh, Sandstorm didn't like Dustpelt, so she was like, "No, <laughs> you know, we, I never liked you. So what's the point?" And then That's uh, Fireheart was like, "All right, I guess I like Sandstorm now because you know Graystripe." unfortunately straight and mm-hmm. spotted leaf unfortunately dead well wouldn't wouldn't you consider spotted leaf to be a love like in the love triangle then at the very least because like uh, by your definition right there's mutual pining firestar uh at this point cares about spotted leaf spotted leaf cares about him and then you know eventually he starts caring about sandstorm well, and sandstorm I, starts caring about him so there, like there's, there's a, a, bit of know, a like decision uh, well, gate you know 2020 who's who's he gonna choose you know that, okay, that well, feels like love triangle to me right well i think where, where, where i'm coming from at least from this Mm -hmm. perspective is that like you're right in that uh you know he did have to choose one but you're wrong in that this was any kind of decision that was like relevant (laughs) because like are you saying he has no agency spotted leaf was dead at this period of time and like i'm all for long distance relationships you know i've been in one or two um, but there, I think there's a difference between long-distance relationship and relationship between somebody who is alive and dead, right? That seems like too long-distance. I'm a distance. man of constant um, And besides, like that was kind of um, at least like in the books, that was more or less like done at a point where uh, Starkland was still. Like there was still an argument to be made that Star Clan wasn't real, and that it was like hallucinations, and that the lives, you know, like the nine lives things was, and the prophecies okay. were all in their imaginations, and it just yeah. like happened to line up. Right, that this was sense. before Star Clan established itself as like a, a metaphysical or like an, an actual physical um, thing that exists, Cat Heaven. Okay, I see where you're coming from. I get you. That's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to Four Trees, our Warrior Cats community podcast. Uh, I've been your host, Spencer Grant. I'd like to thank our guest, Spencer Grant, for joining us for the last little while. You've been a pleasure to have. Four Trees is recorded live in front of the studio audience at Druid's Hollow Studios here in Bristol. Our theme was composed and performed by Spencer Chopin Grant and mixed by Alex Turner. Our graphics and 3D assets were designed by Spencer Diablo Grant and our editor is Spencer Pagliacci-Granta. The uh, Warrior Cat series is written by Aaron Hunter and distributed by HarperCollins. Please support the official release. You can find us at the web at spencergrant.co.uk slash or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find our YouTube uploads with auto-generated subtitles and audio visualizations at youtube.com slash spencergrant. Again, I've been Spencer and you've been beautiful. Bye!